Hey everyone, welcome to Through the Winter's Ministry Podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in. And as always, you can find out more information about Through the Winter's Ministry at throughthewinters.com or look us up on Facebook under Through the Winter's Ministry. I'm excited to get started with today's episode. Let's go. This is Season 2, Episode 13 of the Through the Winter's Ministry Podcast. Before we get started, I just want to give a big thank you to all of the medical professionals and all of the workers in the supermarkets and the grocery stores and everyone else in between, from the truck drivers to the postal workers and all those that are continuing to just make our lives a little bit easier during this hard time as the coronavirus situation continues to grow and uh, a lot of unknown factors are happening. We're continuing to pray for you, those of you that are putting your lives on the line for us and that are helping us during this hard time and continue to pray for one another. Listen, if you're someone that is stuck at home, maybe you need medical supplies or you need just something, don't assume that people know that you're in a situation that you're in. Reach out to somebody, reach out to your churches, to your pastors. Don't think that we know that uh, that you're going through something or that you're in need of something and we're not giving you a call. Um, don't think that maybe because you told one person that they told everybody else. Reach out to them if you're in help. We're all in this together, and we know that we will get through this, and God will help us during these hard times. So again, thank you to those of you that are out there uh, helping us during these times and, and going to work and doing what you're doing, and in some cases, putting your own lives on the line for the rest of us. God bless you, and thank you. Continue to stay strong, stay healthy, and um, we're praying that, that we will see the end of this um, pretty soon. Um, in the meantime, I'm proud to bring to you uh, this week's episode of the Third Winters Ministry Podcast, where I get to interview a great man who loves people and is a great pastor. His name is Pastor Mike Jankowski of the Harbor Church. He is a husband. He is a father, a grandfather, a, a brother, and a friend to so many. And, um, you know, sometimes people think that pastors don't understand you know, what, what they're going through or or they, they haven't experienced life the way others have. And his smile can sometimes fool you and make you think, you know, this guy, he doesn't know what it is to go through. But his smile is there because he loves the Lord and because of what God has brought him through. And I know that you'll be blessed when you hear his testimony. We broke it up in three different segments. And I just want to um, prepare you for an awesome interview that I have with Pastor Mike. Check it out. Hey everyone, Sam here, and I have the pleasure to introduce you to a man that has become, over the years, a good friend of mine, um, Pastor Mike Jankowski. I've been in Long Island for about 13 plus years, 13 and a half years or so, and uh, I think I met him pretty much in my first year here, so I've known you for about 13 years now. People seem to think that, you know, well, they can never understand what I've gone through, and Pastor Mike has an interesting story of how he came to know the Lord. And so first and foremost, Pastor Mike, just want to say welcome and thank you for being on our podcast. Well, it's an honor to be here. <laughs> Hopefully my story can encourage someone today and yeah. give them hope. It's definitely an interesting story. I, I've heard bits and pieces of it throughout the years that I've known you. And um, it's just uh, uh, something that made me say, you know what, I really would love to have you on the program and I appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Um, now preparing for this, I'm finding out a few more stuff. And... Um, I'd like to start off with just us going back in time um, to when was like that that first time you were introduced or maybe shown about Christ or about God and who he was? Well, great question. It was <laughs> July of 1981. I had just graduated from high school and um, I, li- I lived on my own from the time of 16 on. So I was in my, my apartment by myself, uh, drinking a Michelob Light, and getting ready to go out partying that night. Was, you were on your own at 16? Yes, sir. Wow, yeah. okay. And I um, was getting ready to go out and uh, party with the guys. Okay. And in the mail, I received a bunch of graduation cards. And one of the cards, well, I was looking through them for cash okay. to spend that night. Yeah. And one of the cards I received was from a woman that I had met at my mother's funeral, which would have been about a year and a half earlier. And um, I opened it up, and as I was reading it, she conveniently uh, put a scripture right in the middle of the, the card. And it was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where it says, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all thy ways, and he will direct your paths. 
And as I read that, I just started to weep. And, and I, it, it wrecked me. I just became completely undone. And I kept thinking, what is wrong with me? Why is this affecting me like this? Yeah. And it really ruined my night of partying, to be honest with you. <laughs> Did you go? Nope. No? <laughs> no. And, and I, I ended up um, just really thinking why, you know, I knew it was a scripture. Yeah. But I couldn't understand why it was affecting me so deeply. Now, your families in the past, had, you know, had maybe visited a church here and there and things like that. But you never really were a part of a church you guys so this was like like you said you knew this was a scripture you yeah. knew it had something to do with church or something to do with god but um never before did you really like take going to church or anything like that serious no so why do you think this um seeing this verse why what what about it made you weep was it because this was a friend of your mom's or like no i i i think i think for me it felt like a lifeline coming out of heaven um something I, out of nowhere kind of yeah thing. i had been in such uh despair my mother had passed a year and a half earlier and I went into a, a, a cycle of destruction I tried to tried to commit suicide a couple times uh-huh. I mean I was in a very dark place I was angry at God and for me at that time uh, I felt like there was a lifeline being unrolled from heaven to something me. just felt right like this was yes uh, I knew that my I knew that the answer to all of my questions and the answer, that I was looking for had something to do with that verse. Wow. Okay. So let's let's do a little um, back in time kind of thing. Um, so you were 16, you were on your own. Mm-hmm. Your mom had already passed about a year and a half before. Um, what got you to that point? Where, where, what was the situation as you were growing up? Huh? Well, born and raised in Flint, Michigan. Okay. And when I was about five years old, my, my, my parents had two children, myself, I'm the oldest, and my, son, my brother, Jeff. Okay. And um, when I was about five years old, my mother ended up having an affair with the next door neighbor. Mm-hmm. And uh, she became pregnant from that relationship. And it, it broke the marriage up okay. my, of my parents. My mother ended up marrying my stepfather. How old my, were you at the time when that separation happened? About five. Five. My, my stepfather was a very abusive alcoholic physically. So my earliest memories of life in that family uh, was waking up in the middle of the night, him beating my mother senseless, wow. and us, myself, my brother, and the, and the newborn baby girl um, escaping out of the house, running through the backyard. We had a set of railroad tracks behind our house, and many times I remember running down those railroad tracks with my mother, um, and we would, these were the days before cell phones, we yeah. would, there was a... We would. It seemed like forever. We would walk, and we would find a payphone, and she would call someone to come and get us, and we would stay with whoever we could. Stay so the with. abuse was constant. That this oh, yes. happened on the regular. Yes. Wow. Was there a time where the abuse actually came in your direction, or? Yes. The older I got, um, I started to kind of stand up for my mom. Okay. And so I, I, you know, I would stand in, in the gap, you know, per se, and then the. the the beating started to come my way at that point, wow. the older I got. Because wow. I wouldn't keep my mouth shut. I was wanting to defend my mom. Yeah. How long did that continue on for? The rest of the rest of my... Your stay there? Oh, yeah. So your mom stayed with him? My mom stayed with him, yes. Uh, and that typical cycle of abuse. My stepfather would yeah. apologize. She would try to hold that family together. And I think she had a lot of regrets about that. Wow. Yeah. Um, if it's okay to ask, what where... Was your father through this? Did he just disappear nope. once he left? No, nope. we would. My father was a good man, um, also an alcoholic, mm-hmm. never violent, but but was a wounded person from the the, the divorce. And right. uh, but we would spend every other weekend with him. And my dad, my dad uh, was was a really good man. Um, we never told him about it because we knew that that would complicate <laughs> situations at home. Yeah. So he we went through a lot of our life not knowing a lot of this was going on until later. Wow, you just kept it from him secret because him. you didn't want it to get oh, yeah. your mother in trouble exactly. more and things like that. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, now you, you told me um, that your stepdad had an older son. Yes. Um, and he would come to visit sometimes. Yeah. In fact, my mother would babysit this this young man mm-hmm. uh, for extra money, and that was that was how the affair happened. Was oh, that, okay. You know, so, yeah, so one time uh, I was about nine, eight or nine years old. My stepbrother was about eight years older than me, and uh, he came and spent the weekend, and um, 
one particular time had sexually abused me the one time okay. and the one and only time but it yeah it really it leaves a mark yeah oh yeah definitely left a mark and again I didn't tell anybody um you kept that quiet because too. of the shame and, and the guilt but yeah. my mother I think sensed something was up and from that point on he was never allowed to stay with us again so oh, okay. even though I never told her I think she said something was wrong something went wrong yeah, yeah. yeah. but she never addressed it to you or, no. or like that no Nobody did. As all this stuff starts happening, you're going through the separation between mom and dad, um, the abuse that your stepdad was doing to your mom and to yourself. Uh-huh. Like, what about to your sibling also, your brother? No, not, not so, so much. much. But no. you were the one standing up. I was so, the oldest, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he was trying to keep you in line, probably from his perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going on. How does that affect school? How does that affect your early teen years? Oh. Where, where's your mind and all that? I, You know, I, I you always used humor to kind of get through things and so I was the class clown in a lot of ways okay. um, but I my insecurities ran so deep uh, you know little things like um, playing sports I love sports but no one ever took the time to really help me with it okay and so I was in playing little league for instance and and my step dad and my mom uh, when they did come to my games which was rarely uh, I one particular time I remember them getting into an argument during the game and my stepfather hitting my mom in the stands wow. And everyone in front laughing, of everyone. In front of everyone. And everyone laughing, saying that's Jankowski's family. And oh, a lot of times gosh. I would wait for two or three, four hours for them to come and pick me up after the game because uh, they were out drinking. And, so publicly uh, it was also probably an embarrassment. Oh, then, it, was, it was, yeah, terrible. Wow. And so I had a lot of insecurities um, because of that, a lot of shame. And, uh, yeah, just never really feeling like you fit in or belonged with anybody. You'd see all the other families and kind of envy them, but you never felt like you really belonged, you know. Wow. So. All right, so then you jump ahead, and eventually you find a way to be on your own. Um, well, after my mom died, um, I made the decision to move out on my own, and I was uh, in a situation with my schooling where I was taking classes, similar to BOCES here on Long Island, okay. where I was getting paid a good part of the day of working in my trade, which was plumbing. Okay. And okay. so I was doing a lot of side work and I worked out a deal with a dentist. He had a, he had a little two bedroom chalet on a lake with a boat and it didn't have a heating system in it. And he said, if you'll put a heating system in it for me, Let's you can live there rent free for two years. And wow. I think it cost me 600 bucks for the parts and I put them in and had my own place, wow. which was good and bad both at the same time. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Wow, okay. Who, who's the friend that comes and uh, sends you this letter? What, what does she say? What is what is the she was doing? Well, she she was one of my mother's best friends in high school. Okay. And then when my mother had married my stepfather, all of those relationships were basically destroyed because my stepfather didn't really want her having them. So mm-hmm. there was a 20-year gap where there was no relationship. Oh, wow. And then she had found out that my mother was sick in the hospital and started to visit her. Okay. She was a born-again Christian woman Yeah. and uh, started to, you know, reach out to my mom. Let me let me backtrack just sure. a little bit. Um, so I started smoking weed at about 12. Oh, wow. Started drinking around that time, too, to kind of escape everything. So I really, you know, really started to use things and whatever I could find. So as I got older, the everything started to escalate with my stepfather, and I really started to hate him, sure. obviously. And then um, in December, uh, the doctors came and said, your mother's only going to live one more year. Um, we're going to let her come home for Christmas, but this will be her last Christmas. Wow. So she came home. She was very swollen because she was take, she was. Uh, taking radiation and and everything and back in those days they didn't have the lasers they would mark out with a red marker on your body where the radiation would go so she had these red lines all over her face and uh she was she was very sick that christmas and we my brother and i had come back from my father's for having christmas with him we came back to my mother and stepfather's home to have chris on christmas day and my stepfather had been drinking all day and he got very uh, angry at her for something, ended up uh, hitting her with a closed fist, knocked her against the wall into the kitchen chairs, and she fell over the chairs onto the floor. The chairs were flying everywhere. And I 
completely lost my mind. You know, here's a woman dying of cancer. Yeah, he had no remorse for her condition. No, no. And so I picked up a fireplace poker and, and went after him. And at the time, I was taking wrestling in high school, and we ended up kind of in a hand-to-hand battle. He outweighed me by 100 pounds. Yeah. But I was, but I, I you know... You had some skills in you. I had some skills. <laughs> and I ended up wrestling him down to the ground and put him in a scissor hold with his head between my knees. Wow. And I, and I, I was squeezing... I wanted to kill him. And I remember my mother just screaming, you know, please stop, just stop. And so I stopped because of her. But I told him, um, don't go to sleep because I'm going to kill you tonight. And I meant it. How old were you? I I was 16. 16, okay. So um, I I developed an intense hatred towards him, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then, so then about a month later, my mom uh, was back in the hospital, obviously. And, uh, she called me and she it was a Saturday and she asked me to come and see her and she was adamant she said please come promise me that you'll come tonight and talk to me and so um, I told her that I would and instead I went out drinking with a bunch of friends and totally blew her off and that night when I got back uh, it was midnight one o'clock in the morning she she called me from the hospital and she was so disappointed in me and I, I just remember telling her, Mom, I'll be there tomorrow. Don't, no worries, I'll be there tomorrow. Yeah. And um, through the night into the early morning, she had went into a coma and ended up dying the next day. So I never got a chance to talk to her yeah. uh, about what she wanted you know, me to be there for. So That had to hit like a ton of bricks. Oh, it just added to, it added to everything. Now I felt yeah. guilt and sure. I felt remorse that I didn't see her. And, yeah. Wow, wow. So that was that was only um, you know yeah that was a year before a year and a half before the uh, the letter in the mail the card yeah. in the mail. But in the meantime, this lady who sent you the card, um, she was visiting your mom and talking to her and 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 um, just, just trying to like uh, minister to her and, and things like that. What what did you find out later on? You know, after you got in touch with the lady. Well, I I ended up. Um, I, after I got that card, I started to realize that everything that I've been looking for had something to do with that verse. I felt like there was a, a lifeline that came out of heaven for me, and I knew that um, that there was there was that my hope was somehow tied to that. So I I, st- I called her and started to talk to her over a period of several months, okay. and. Um, I would talk to her till three in the morning and ask her every question that I could think of. Yeah. I feel bad for because I was not an easy uh, convert, that's for sure. And I got to a point. After, you were questioning stuff along the way. Oh, everything. Like everything. so, if how do we know God is real, kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. All that, all and I was angry. Too. I was angry. And if he's God, real, how come he let this yeah. happen? Yeah. Why yeah. does he let my mom have cancer and yeah. die at thirty-seven years old? Yeah. And my stepfather, who you know is not a good guy, and yeah. he's fine. You know. Did you let her know about? The abuse that happened along the way throughout the years? No. no. So she didn't know about the details of maybe no, what happened? No, not at that time. But uh, she definitely felt your anger and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. How did she handle that and how'd you. Oh, she was perfect. She she just used grace and wisdom and, and uh, let me vent. And and so I finally got to a point where I said, okay, I've, I've heard all I need to hear. Um, if what you're telling me is true, mm-hmm. uh, then my mother did isn't going to go to heaven because she was an adulterer and. You know, we never went to church, and I said, honestly, I, I don't have any interest in going to heaven if she's not going to be there. And that's when uh-huh. she said to me, um, there's something I've been wanting to tell you, but you've been very angry, and I didn't know how you would respond to it. And she said, you remember the night that your mom wanted you to come and visit her? And I said, of course I do. And she said, well, what she wanted you to come for was the night before your mother had asked Christ into her life and asked the Lord to forgive her of her sins and she was worried about you and she wanted you to know that and then I that was it Hey everybody, season two, episode seven, we interviewed Joseph Baez and we talked about his song, Realize. 
He's working on his next song, so we need your help. Can you go to Spotify or iTunes and download his song? It's just a dollar, but every dollar counts to help him make his next song. So we're hoping you guys enjoy his music. We're hoping that you continue to support him. Subscribe, like his songs, and definitely if you can download them so he can help get some money to start making his next recording. God bless you guys. We know you won't be disappointed. Once again, folks, that's Realized by Joseph Baez. You can find that song on Spotify or iTunes. Yes, he is our oldest son, Joey, we call him. And uh, he lives and breathes music. He just loves music. He's working on his next song, and we'll be recording it soon. And we'll be bringing that to you guys for more information as that time progresses. Now, let's get back to our interview with Pastor Mike Jankowski. I know you're going to enjoy it. The fact of thinking that my mom found a relationship with Christ before she died yeah. really gave me hope. And that's uh, so, and this woman had been inviting me to church the whole time, and I, I wouldn't go. And so then I finally said, I want to come to church. And, uh, and so I set it up to go on a particular Sunday. And I went out the night before and, and got as drunk as I could. So I was extremely hungover on Sunday, felt like, felt terrible. And I come walking into this Assembly of God church with a leather jacket and hair down to my shoulders and hung over to wow. no end and uh, thinking that everyone was crazy. And they set me right in the second row, the ushers. And uh, <laughs> Did they smell your breath? <laughs> yeah, I hope not. I was probably chewing a lot of gum. Yeah, let's put them in the second row. <laughs> and I felt so bad physically. And I remember just thinking, okay, this is this is weird. This is, you know, the clapping, the music, all the other yeah, stuff yeah, that yeah, goes yeah. along with it. And, and couldn't wait for it to be over. I felt like I did my, I, I, I fulfilled my commitment. I, I came diligence. one time yeah. and I'm out of here. And that's uh, that was my first experience. Wow. Okay. Um, so, okay. So you go to church. I'm guessing she might have asked you, how'd you feel? Mm-hmm. You know, um... It wasn't your cup of tea, so what, I, what happens next? I think I was very gracious, and I just said, oh, I was great, you know, it was good. But yeah. in my mind, I was thinking, I'm, I'm never going never back. Never going you know? back. And, uh, but I couldn't stop thinking about it the rest of the week. And and I knew that they had a youth service on Wednesday night, so I decided to go to the youth service. Okay. And I went to this youth service, and uh, um, one, of the, one of the young ladies that was involved in that youth group that night was having brain surgery for a tumor, a brain tumor. And so the whole youth group, they were all on their knees and faces before God praying for this girl wow. who, I, who I'd never met. Yeah. Ended up eventually being my sister-in-law. No way. But I didn't know that at the time. And so I, I walk into this place and everyone's at their chairs kneeling and praying and crying and for this girl. And I thought, good grief. You know, what did I get into again? This kind of, what kind of cult is this? Yeah, yeah. It was so foreign to me. And then... When we when we when the surf when that was done, I went outside and I had just restored. I was a car guy and I just restored a 1970 Camaro and it was you know I had put all my money into this thing. I, that was my life and one of the guys followed me out to the parking lot and I was he wanted to see my car and so I was sharing with him the car and as I would say something like uh, oh yeah check out this engine and I would describe the engine when I would take a breath. He would start to say, "You know, God has a plan for your life." He and then I'd say, the car. "Then I would ignore him, and I would say, check out these Kreger <laughs> rims.'" And then the moment I would stop, he'd say, "You know, Jesus wants to come into your life." He, wow. he just—he was relentless. And finally, he got so frustrated with me, and he said, "Do you want to accept Jesus or not?" And I said, "Yeah, let's do it." Wow! Because <laughs> I had already like determined- I'm listening, but yeah. I'm not listening. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so in that parking lot on that rainy Wednesday night in October oh. of 1981, I I just said God, and I didn't even know how to do a sinner's prayer the right way. If there yeah. was a right way, I just said God, if you can do anything with this, you got it all. Wow! That was basically my prayer. All right, so there, not knowing much, you you weren't a Bible scholar. You didn't you didn't go through the scriptures and have a revelation revealed to you in that way. Um, you had a church experience and now a youth service experience. 
So people loving up on each other, and it's just a, a weird feeling for a person on the outside that's not used to seeing love sure. like that. Um, probably saw happy people, and you wonder why all these people are full of smiles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all fake. It's all fake. They yep. can't relate to me. If their if their life is like this, and it can't relate to me, yep. you know, this isn't for me. Um, but something makes you say, "Yeah, sure." Um, what happens in that moment? Do, do you sleep that night? Do you, you know? I remember on the way home. Uh, I remember feeling different in some way. Like I couldn't. I didn't. It was it was foreign to me. But I felt a peace, and. And I felt like something had shifted deep down within me. And like how you say that's foreign to you. Was, oh, yeah. So something that felt good, Yeah. but it feels weird to feel good. I was so used to living in the midst of turmoil and anxiety, it became normal. Yeah. And uh, and it was the first time that I, I felt like there's hope. Like, I don't have to live like this. And so uh, everyone, when I went to work the next day, everyone... They were commenting on what, like, what, what was up. I was smiling. I was happy, and huh. they all thought I was doing drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and I wish I kind of would have used a little more wisdom back then because I had more more uh, zeal than knowledge. Okay. And so I probably in trying to describe what happened to me, people didn't you understand. Made it sound cultish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, there I, were people on the floor. They were all... <laughs> yeah. And I remember I went to a Bible bookstore and bought the biggest King James Bible <laughs> that you could buy. And it had an avocado green cover on it. That thing weighed 50 pounds. <laughs> and uh, and I started on page one. In the <laughs> beginning. Started, I got a little tripped up in uh, Leviticus. I, I don't know why. But, but I started with page one. And every night I just started to read and read. I couldn't get enough. What do you think you were looking for? I just wanted to know this God. Wow. That was it. I just, I just wanted to know Him. I wanted to, I wanted to know Him. I wanted to know all about Him, and, and uh, I couldn't get enough of it. And I, honestly, I never missed a Sunday service or a Wednesday service for probably like five years after that. Wow. You made sure every so. They, I was there every time the doors and, open, man. Wow. Yeah. Um, did you still keep in touch with the woman, your, your mother's friend? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm I sure. still have that card. Oh, After wow. almost 40 years, I still have the card. It's in my desk. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so she probably helped you along the way get some clarity on some things. She did, yeah. You, you probably developed some relationships with some leaders or mm-hmm. pastors. I had a few. I uh, Yeah, my, my, my senior pastor was an older man uh, that really took me in as a spiritual son. And I, I surrounded myself with four or five other godly fathers and, and husbands. And I just watched how they treated their wives and their families. And they kind of mentored me and uh, showed you something different yeah because I, I never I didn't know how to do any of that sure and so I watched them and I said you know what I want to be a leader like that in my home someday wow wow um, what happens to your siblings you know well um, this is where it gets a little crazy as well so going back a little bit uh, okay. in that time that I was talking with that woman before I gave my life to Christ but after I got that card like that my stepfather had um, come home drunk one night, fell down the basement steps, and had a massive closed head injury. So I had to go to court. I just turned 18. I had to go to court and get temporary guardianship of my two half-sisters because they didn't have any any parents now. My mother had died. Yeah. My stepfather was in a coma. He was in the hospital for... At 18, they would let you do that? Well, the judge, um, the judge looked out over the, the crowd and sees this 18-year-old long-haired guy and said is there anyone else that could take the <laughs> girls and there was no one else oh, so wow. my attorney kind of uh, said I will work with them and be the you know be the conservator of their stand and so uh, yeah I had I had guardianship I had two half sisters that I raised that for one year and then uh, he came home I gave him guardianship back and then that was when I went away to Bible college for one year and uh, I was 20 by that time and felt like I really had a call on my life and was more curious than anything and packed my car and drove 1400 miles to Florida to Southeastern and uh, I found a brochure I found a brochure and saw a palm tree on the front cover and I said yeah that's (laughs) God that's God (laughs) and I went one year and loved it and felt like God had had a call on my life I came back after that year and um, was uh, was definitely going to go four years and, and pursue pastoral ministry. There was no question in your mind, like you knew this I knew was. It. I knew it. Wow. And um, 
but there was something there was something bugging me the whole time I knew deep down in my heart that this unforgiveness that I had towards my stepfather sure. was destroying me okay. and um, God every time God would try to deal with it I would I would push him away mm. and um, and so in July of 1985 uh, it was a Sunday night was at the service and I went to the altar and you know when you have these significant moments with God you remember the very place on the altar that you had these experiences yeah, yeah. it was right I know right where next, I had my encounter yes yeah, I know was, exactly where it I was right next to the piano yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I was and I prayed a prayer to God I said God here's my life uh, you know I want to be what you want me to be I want to go where you want me to go I, I, you know, here it is. And I remember God speaking to me very clearly and said, what about your stepfather? What about your unforgiveness towards him? And I, again, I got kind of defensive, you know, in my, I, I knew what God was asking me to do. And I, I remember just my, my argument was I'm a victim. You know, he, he did this. He yeah, ruined my family. He did it to me. Yeah, yeah. He ruined our family. And I remember so clearly sensing in my heart that God, God was saying, you're never going to go any farther than me until you get things right with him. And so I got in my car after that service, and I drove out to the home that I'd grown up in. And uh, and as I pulled in the driveway, my stepfather was standing in the driveway, hosing down the, the driveway. And I got out of my car, and and I had I had been rehearsing all the way there what I was going to say to him. Yeah. I was going to say something like, "I forgive you," but you know. <laughs> and uh, I get out of the car. My stepfather says, "What do you, what do you want?" You know, and so I and I thought this is gonna this is starting really well. Yeah. And and I walked up to him, and what came out of my mouth? I know it was the Holy Spirit that took over. What came out of my mouth was not what I was thinking. And I said, I came here to ask you to forgive me. And he said, For what? And I just started to cry. And I just said, For hating you, for holding things against you. And then he started to cry. And we sat on the we went and sat on the front porch. And That's he's, a different approach. He, I, I didn't plan it this way. Yeah. And uh, he started to open up about his childhood and things that I didn't know about. Mm-hmm. And I, all of a sudden, I started having this compassion for him. And we sat on the porch for hours. And he didn't, he wasn't ready to accept Christ yet, but he let me pray for him. And I prayed for him that wow. God would reveal himself to him. And, wow. and uh, when we got done, I said, we're good. We're cool. And so that was July. Now, um, did he know... Um, beforehand that you were going to Bible college and that you yeah. were pursuing to be a pastor. Yeah. So this wasn't knew. new to him as far as your yeah, your yeah, faith pursuits. Yeah, yeah. We we had we had communication but it was always tense and it was always yeah, you know, but he yeah. knew. So a month later, which would have been August, I had been they asked me to speak to the youth group for the, it was the first time I ever spoke in front of anyone. Okay. And I was getting ready to um, speak, and one of the ushers came into our youth area and gave me a, a note. And the note said, your stepfather has just been involved in a very serious car accident. He's in the hospital. And so I put the note in my pocket. I, I shared with the youth group, and I went up to the hospital. Now, you have to remember, a month before that, I wouldn't have went. Yeah. I went to the hospital, and I found out that he had, he had one of these little Chevy S10 pickup trucks back in the 80s. He, had, because of that closed head injury, he had limited sight in the one eye. He had pulled out onto a main highway in front of a semi truck. The semi truck had hit him in the driver's door. Both vehicles rolled off into a huge ditch. Oh my my, my stepfather's truck was in three pieces when I saw it at the at the towing yard. Uh, the cab which he was trapped in was caught under the semi-truck and the diesel fuel tanks had ruptured and he was literally drowning in diesel fuel when they found him. What? So the nurse told me that he's not going to look right. He's, he's extremely swollen. He's every bone from his collarbone down to his pelvic is crushed. He's not responding, but just talk to him. We always, we always hope that they right, can hear. Right. So I walked in the room and his head was the size of a basketball. I, he didn't even look human. And there were it was it was very graphic and uh, and I walked up to the side of the bed and I called his name out and he I'll never forget he reached his hand up for my hand and it blew everyone in the room away because he hadn't been responding to anything so I put my hand in his hand and I and I got close to him and I said you remember the talk that we had on the porch and he squeezed my hand and I said would you like to ask Jesus into your life right now and he squeezed my hand 
and I led him in a very simple sinner's prayer. And the tears, because his, his, his face was so swollen, his eyes were pulled very tight. The tears... He definitely was hearing you. Though. They were squirting yeah. out and hitting his chin. There was so much pressure and there were so many tears. And I, I, I just said, you, I know you can't talk. He had a tracheotomy and he had tubes oh in his mouth. But I said, Jesus will hear your heart. And I, I, I prayed that little simple sinner's prayer with him. And, uh, and he, he just wouldn't let go of my hand. The tears were flowing. And I kissed him on the forehead and I said, um, I believe you're going to be with Jesus tonight. And I said, we're good. I love you. And I walked away and he was dead within an hour. So both my stepdad and my mom found Jesus literally at the very last minute. Wow. But that set me free from a lifetime sure, sure. of unforgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. So then I had to go back and get custody of my youngest sister because she was too young. I think she was 14 at the time. And I raised her until she was out of high school. Wow. And the older the older sister had just graduated from high school and she went, she was, went away to college. So, yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. God bless everybody. I hope you've been enjoying our interview with Pastor Mike Jankowski at the Harbor Church. I mean, wow. What an amazing story. What an amazing testimony. And definitely what an amazing God we serve. Before we continue with the last part of his interview, if you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to hit subscribe. And even better, if you really enjoy it, hit like and share it on your Facebook profile page. Any support we can receive is greatly appreciated. Now, let's get to the last part of our interview. So, your pursuits from then on, do you pursue pastoral? and? Well, yeah, I knew my chances of Bible college were over because I couldn't... You have to be a dad. Yeah, or, yeah. and I, I, I really thought that my chances of ministry were over. You know, I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. I figured that my shot was over and that I was just going to do the right thing and raise my sister and be a plumber the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And after about a year of that, uh, my pastor actually came and had lunch with me and just said, hey, I've got a proposition for you. You've got a call on your life. Um, I I have a maintenance position opening up for a third of what I was making. Mm -hmm. And we have a junior high group that uh, nobody wants to lead. They're, they're a mess. If you would come on, I think it was $93 a week. If you come on and be our maintenance man and run our junior high group, um, I want you to pursue your schooling through, at that time it was Berean. Yeah. Now it's Global University. I yeah. want you to pursue it on uh, correspondence. And if you promise me you'll do that and get your credentials within a year, um, I'll bring you I'll bring you on. That's crazy. And... Uh, and that junior high group was one of the greatest experiences I ever had. In fact, a number of those kids that were in that junior high group are now pastors around the country, and I've had the privilege of preaching at some of their churches. That's awesome. So, yeah, that was how I started. So, look, I mean, literally, it's it's um, your story is, you know, um, it's not the burning bush, but it is in a weird way. Like, it starts off with a card, God speaking to a woman. To just say, hey, reach out to your friend's son and just let him know that God loves him. Uh, she doesn't know you're going to call her. She doesn't know you're going to contact her. But she just, something simple. Um, that card paves the way. Obviously now her persistence and, and, and being there for you. You know, it's 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 us, you know, being willing to, to talk to those who are hurting, those who are lost. Her from, obedience. Her obedience. Yeah, changed yeah. my life. And, and, and then from there, it's just the steps now of... And, and it's okay it's okay to ask those questions it's okay to be angry it's okay to wonder you know then God where were you and in, in, in all those things that went on in my life um, overall when you look back you and I could probably see the pieces we can see God's hand in this but how would you explain to a person that's like okay but why why, why did you have to go through all that just for God to get your attention right you know what would you say to that like what, what would you say like did Mike Jankowski had to have to go through all this in order for him to become the man of God? You know, you know. You know, I've asked myself so many times over the years, like, how different would my life be if my parents would have stayed together, and, and, and you know, we wouldn't have went through all that. And obviously, I, there's no answer to that. I don't know. Yeah. What I do know is if I had the choice of not going through all of that and having my parents' marriage stay together and me growing up in the perfect home. 
if I missed Christ, mm. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade the bad experiences for that. Yeah. I feel like God and His sovereignty somehow knew that. I mean, my family was a wounded family, and it went on for it went on for decades, even after that, with my family, yeah. the, the 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 hurt, the woundings. You know, that was like it was a family that my my family for generations have been alcoholics and yeah. and drug addicts, and and divorce is just very common, and having multiple. I, and I was the first one in my family to break that cycle, huh. and so I feel like I was born into something that I had no control of, but. God had a God had a different plan and yeah. I th- I'm honored sometimes when I you know there's that old verse that we I remembered in the King James where it says where it, you, you know a brand plucked from the burning which means oh, yeah, God yeah. kind of yeah. I'm I'm honored that God entrusted me with that yeah um, wouldn't want to go through any of that again but now in hindsight realizing at the time I felt like God abandoned me but now that I know him and I know his word, I realize that he never left me. Mm-hmm. And there were situations that could have been a whole lot worse that he protected me from. Okay. And um, and so I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't want to go through it again. Yeah. But I wouldn't trade it because it's made me into who I am today. Yeah. And Helps you with perspective of things too, right? Absolutely. And it has given me compassion and empathy for other people. I can, I can point out someone from a crowd that's walking... Because I, 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 I you know, know the, you know the symptoms. I know yeah, the symptoms. yeah, And yeah. so, would I trade it? No. Wouldn't want to do it again. No, I got you because it helps you know. Yeah. Relates and, and even ministers to yeah. people who are going through. Yeah. It becomes yeah. something precious, invaluable now, instead of something that I always felt like was a curse. Right. And that isn't that Romans eight twenty eight. It is. Uh, that's exactly <laughs> it. That's that's the whole Roman story. It, it's 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 the premise on 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 even why why we have the ministry for three to wins is like you know just like. There, there. We go to these things, and we may not know, always know why, but when we make the right choices and we learn to walk in obedience, like this lady did, you know, in, in knowing who God is in our lives, yeah. it helps now use our situations for whatever reason we went through them. But now we can. I like how you say that you can point somebody out, you yep. know, and and help lead them towards the yeah. same thing. It's like you know what? I was there. I can connect with that. I understand that. And here's what God has for us. Here's how God can use. Um, the craziness yeah. that we went through in our lives yeah. and mold that into something, you know, where, you know, become a weapon for, for his kingdom. Absolutely. You know? um, and God has definitely done that through you. You're, you're, you're now pastoring uh, uh, um, people in two churches, two campuses. Um, your children now, you know, raising the things of the Lord and stuff like that. Um, looking back, like you said, you, you wouldn't trade it, but you wouldn't want to go through it again. Looking back, um, were there moments and times where you say even especially knowing now God and having a relationship with him where maybe you got angry with him or 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 things where where you were like okay God enough's enough or you know like I got the lesson what are we doing here you know know what um I you know what I I can honestly say no to that okay because I I there was one time where there was a there was an event that happened in our with with my son physically that I really got kind of got angry with God. And okay. I, I remember walking, we were in a hospital emergency room, and I walked down a dead-end hall, and I was like, really? This is what I get for serving mm. you? And I, I was kind of having it out with God. Okay. And then I remember breaking and saying, but where else do I go? Okay. Like, yeah. I can't, there's, yeah. I'm not going back. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and it, you know, I felt like God brought me to a place where serving him is not about... It's not even an option. Like, he is the way. He, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, listen, we're going to go through stuff whether we know him or not. Sure. I've lived through uh, life going through stuff without him. I would much rather go through stuff with him. And so, <laughs> Amen to that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so, like that. you know yeah. what? I, I realized early on that I, I have nowhere else to go. I'm, I, I, I've devoted my entire life and eternity to him. And, and, and he's never led me astray. He's awesome. never, you know, you, yeah, have we gone through difficulties? Absolutely. But, um, but I've always felt him there. So, I'm, yeah, I, he probably about 20 years ago, I really grasped the whole concept of um, him being a father to me. Okay. I always looked at him as being a, a cop. And for a lot of people, that's a whole other aspect. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, 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 my dad or my, my stepdad really struggled with 
teaching me confidence and teaching me, you know, affirming me. Yeah. And so I went through a life, uh, a good part of my life striving to make people proud of me that really weren't even paying attention. Mm. And, uh, and there's a lot of people out there like that that have father wounds and have hurts. And, sure. And, uh, and I really got a hold of that, um, of my role as a son to a loving father, to a heavenly father. And that really changed, that helped change my That's life. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, just before we close out, uh, two things. The first one, um, whether the listener is a believer or not a believer, um, what advice if, if they're going through things or, or they have some past traumas that they just you know, can't get past, what would you say to them? What would you, just in, in maybe a few sentences, what, what would be the advice that you would give to someone that maybe came knocking on the door saying, here's my garbage, how do I get past this yeah. in my mind? That's a great question. Um, I think when you when you when you when you think back on those times where you went through the most difficult times in life that you could ever go through, instead of thinking back on that time and thinking that you were completely alone, because I felt alone for a good part of my life, I want you to picture Jesus being in the room with you. And you might not have perceived him at the time, you might not have sensed him at the time, but I want you to picture him being with you because he truly was. And um, he's never, you know, he said, Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He never promised once that, that we would be trouble free. Right. But, he, but what he did promise is that I'll never abandon you. And, um, and I believe that, um, you know, God knows more about us than we know about ourselves. Yeah. He knows more about the, the, the intricacies of the situation, the details. Yeah. He, knows, he knows more about that than we do. And, and, you know, when you start to realize that that's why he came was to redeem or save a broken world. Yep. And a broken world consists of broken people. Right. And broken people hurt other people. And so it's just this it's just it's just this whole thing that goes on and we're born into it. And and you know, some people are lucky enough to have to be born into a godly family and that is awesome. But there's a lot of us that we were born into families that, that didn't know God. And but I think it's cool when God calls someone out and says, I'm, you know, I want to have a relationship with you so that you can transform your whole family. Wow. And the, the trajectory of your family line changes. Yeah. Like mine, there's no longer alcoholism and, and, and failed relationships. You but broke that. We're, yeah. We broke it, and it's a godly line now. And, yeah. and so all I can say to that person is, listen, this thing is bigger than you. Um, you, you can't see beyond the mountain in front of you, but you need to know... And let me let me just say this. That let, this is a great way to illustrate it. Go for it. Um, everyone wants to go to the Macy's Day Parade okay. on Thanksgiving Day. I've never went. It's just too much of a hassle. But <laughs> everyone wants to see it, right? So let's just say you're standing on Broadway, and you're standing at 42nd Street, and you look up, and Snoopy is right in front of you. And that thing is, I don't know how high yeah. they are, five stories high, three stories high. That's all you can see in front of you. But if you're in a helicopter flying above the city, you see the parade from beginning to end. Right. And every flow. Yeah. That's the perspective that God sees your life. Gotcha. We're, we're, we're just looking at the thing in front of us. We can't see anything around us or beyond it. We don't know what's coming three blocks away. Right. But from a higher perspective, you see that there's more coming. And, and, and you, you see the whole, you see the whole parade the route. Yeah. yeah. God looks at your life and sees everything the big picture and you can trust in a god like that because he's okay. got it okay. he's got it covered so awesome awesome well said um and then the second thing um is i just want to thank you for the honor for doing this interview with us and for sharing your story with us um but before we go if you could uh, just pray for the listener sure. and just um pray pray that um that if wherever they are in their walk with christ uh whether new to it maybe don't haven't started one or they've been going this for a while that uh, they would uh, find the answers that they're looking for in the sense of um, a peace as opposed to you know things just ending but a peace and knowing that God is working the situation so if you could just end in prayer I would be honored to Heavenly Father um, I just lift up to you the listener um, whether they're in their car or they're in front of their computer or they're jogging with earbuds in listening to this Lord, you know exactly where they're at. 
you know every detail of their life. Whether that person has, has put their faith in Christ yet or they haven't, the, the reality is we've all went through some stuff. We've all got hurt and pain. Lord, whether there's been abuse or there hasn't been or there's, there's just uh, been brokenness in a family, Lord, you know it all. And Lord, number one, I ask that you would reveal your great love to the listener. That wherever they're at right now, God, that you would stop them in their tracks and let them sense your great love for them. That it was never your plan from the beginning that we live like this. But because of sin entering into the human race, uh, these are, that all of these things are results of that. And Lord, we know that you came to break that. You came to, to, to give your life as a ransom for us that we could live uh, a life not only free, but Lord, you said you came to give us life abundantly so that we could live a life of overflowing joy and happiness yes. and, and, and contentment and peace, God. And not only that, Lord, that you've prepared a place for us that when we take our last breath here, we take our next breath with you, breath with you God, um, in eternity, in, in a place you've prepared for us. I pray, God, for the listener that has never put their faith and hope and trust in you, that maybe the words that they've heard today would compel them to just stop where they're at and just say, Jesus, help me. Here's my life. Help me. And just invite you in. So I just commit them to you, God. And I just pray that you would use this to bring hope and encouragement to so many. We ask you all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Once again, thank you, Pastor Mike. It's been an honor. And um, we'll talk to you guys soon. God bless. Hey everyone, once again, thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Before we let you go, uh, we just want to tell you that Through the Winters Ministry is a self-funded ministry. Um, everything we do is is uh, out of our own pockets, and uh, we don't like to charge when we go to speak at different places. And one of the ways that you can help, of course, is by having us come and speak at your church, and we just take love offerings. And uh, any way that we can help, as I said before, we'd love to and, and, and minister to your church. We'd love to do that. And so just give us a call. But another way that you guys can help support us is by checking out our book, The Threshing, A Weapon Forged by Fire. You can order it on Amazon or Barnes & Nobles. But uh, what we're also offering is that if you'd like a personalized autographed copy of The Threshing where Marshall and myself would uh, write a little something in the book and mail it out to you for a donation of $20, we'll give you an autographed copy of The Threshing, A Weapon Forged by Fire. And for a donation of $30, we'll give you the book along with some other little goodies. We have a, a DVD of the movie Jesus and and uh, some other goodies that we can give you guys. And uh, so just give us a call at 718-679-5356, 718-679-5356 if you'd like to order a copy of an autographed copy of The Threshing Weapon Forged by Fire. God bless you all. We love you so much. And we'll see you at the next podcast.